Welcome to the Hobcast Book Show, a weekly podcast from Hobeck Books, an independent publisher of thrillers, crime, mystery and suspense novels. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of what we do, the challenges and the triumphs, the bumps and troughs of running a creative business in this challenging world. We'll hear from the people who make this possible, the authors, the cover designers and editors, and we'll have expert insights from our guest star interviews. Nothing is off the agenda on the Hopcast Book Show from Hobet Books, as we combine trad values and an indie spirit. Welcome to the Hobcast Book Show, episode number 156. My name is Adrian Hobart. My name is Rebecca Collins. And together we run Hobeck Books, UK independent publishers of the following four genres. Mysteries. Suspense. Thrillers. And crime. And it's a pleasure to speak to you. And, uh, well, we've got a bit of a theme this week. We, um, unfortunately... Uh, for the fourth time, I think. Yeah, I think we're unable is. to link up with um, DG Hills. DG Hills, yes, and I don't know why yet. So, um, yes, because <laughs> you weren't here yesterday. You had to go and um, help your dad uh, take him to hospital, and so we had the podcast scheduled. And I thought instead of cancelling it again with this particular person, because like you said, we'd had four attempts before. I thought I'll do it myself. I'll be brave. And I psyched myself up for about 45 minutes and made a coffee and even thought up some questions in my head. So I had some backup. Yeah, you were going to do it solo for the first time. In fact, we've never done an interview solo. Neither of us have, no. No, I mean, it's something, you know, that I'd be a bit more comfortable with, clearly. But, um, yeah, it did worry you. And it was all a bit of a sort of a rush because my dad needed to go and get um, looked at by the emergency teams at the hospital. Uh, He's not well. So... Um, yeah, and unfortunately, um, the guest in question didn't show. She didn't show? No, I sat there looking at myself on Zoom. And there's only so long you can look at yourself on Zoom before you get bored. I know. I, I lasted know. 20 minutes. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're going to do a solo episode this week, which is a departure for us. And um, you've kindly picked out some, uh, well, there's, I mean, as you would in the publishing world, there's some articles looking forward to the year ahead in 2024 yeah. and trends. So I thought it was a good idea because, you know, it's always a good idea to reflect and look back on the previous 12 months and look forward to the future 12 months. And like you say, lots of people do it, but it is a good exercise, you know, personally and professionally. So I thought we should do that um, instead of our <laughs> yeah, so this is going to be a bit of a free-form episode. Um, it'll be shorter than um, some previous ones. Last week's was a mammoth. And for some of your early adopters, the ones who download it automatically will have heard, well, I, it was a bit of a snafu on my part because I forgot <laughs> to edit out the bit where we, we stopped and started again. So, yeah. uh, you know, that wasn't a professional start to the to the new year, but um, I do apologise for those. I mean, I'm sure it was Direct entertaining. Direct cut, we'll call it, shall yeah, we? Yeah, something like that. But, you know, it just goes to show that this whole thing does take work um and most of the time you know it, it works really well but occasionally something will, will creep in and it's not often though is no, it no, that we no. stop and start so no, that's actually... why you forgot to because it doesn't happen very often no and but i got up early to edit it and um six in the morning to go and edit it and so i think i was a bit of a zombie state when i did it and yeah. i completely forgotten that we had that false but start thank you to philippa um from um, quick book reviews for pointing it out to us. Yeah, no, much it was quite funny because it was a we were watching Jeopardy, I think, and it was an evening, and we all sat in the front room watching Jeopardy, and yeah. I went, "Oh, whoops!" Uh, and I, <laughs> and of course, I reacted in my usual calm, professional manner. Well, you zebedeed out the chair. I, well, if I yeah, remember rightly, and swore and and said, oh, "Well, I'm never going to do it." And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> anyway, it didn't take that long to fix, but I you just your heart sinks. I mean, I just feel embarrassed. Oh, at um, least we didn't have a hump for each other. No, that's true. I, I kept it, up. it was a hump for me. Anyway, um, well, listen, so publishing trends. Now, um, you've picked out this article, which uh, has been written by writtenwordmedia.com. Now, they're one of the, uh, well, I mean, how would you say, promotional websites yes. that we use if we're doing a promo week for a particular book. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, uh, book a slot 
on their email. Yeah, they're quite good actually. I think written word media. Um, they're amongst the best. Yeah. yeah. So, and they they do this every year. I think I've seen. Um, I think last year they did a similar sort of thing. But it's actually quite comprehensive. They ask lots of different people in the business for their thoughts as well on the trends. So yeah, they do. They do. And then I looked at the names and I thought, hello, usual suspect, usual suspect, usual suspect. So. I am approaching it with a degree of cynicism. I always do cynicism, but um, I mean, I think this is this is this is a general point I, I want to make about the indie publishing scene. And there are certain voices that have been heard and been prominent for a decade, yeah, and are the usual suspects, as I describe them, uh, who will be t- attending all the conferences. And if you look at the um, program for the self-publishing show uh, live in uh, whenever it is may or june or whatever um these names are the ones that are usually booked to be on stage i mean you're right and there's at least two of those names i've seen in this article so it's true but you know they are people who know a lot about the trends because they yeah they spend a lot of time thinking about it they either do podcasts or they right no that's true uh so i'm just i'm a little concerned because at the moment, I think the my general take on it is is that no one – if you think about sort of five years ago when we were first setting up and thinking about setting up, yeah, there was a, a, a trend for these voices to be definitive about their advice. Mm-hmm. And this is how you – you know, how I've done it and you can do it too, right? And that has morphed over those five years to – this is how I suspect you may be able to do it. And uh, this is something that I'm exploring and hoping to have success with in the future kind of advice. And I think it's to the credit to those people that they're actually prepared to, you know, essentially say, we don't know anymore, but this is our best hunch. Uh, But there are others still being, this is how you do it. That's interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah, I think you're right that they are acknowledging that their way isn't necessarily the way. Or indeed they know what the way is. Mm. And, and um, you know, I think that some people within the indie industry made very, very good money for a period and, you know, ascribed a formula to it, shall we put it that way. And that level of success has, in a sense, ensured them against uh, things changing because they've been able to experiment sufficiently with the money they've got to figure out a way that increases sales. But, you know, if you look between the lines on a lot of the advice that you get, it is la, 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 la. And everything was going smoothly until suddenly Amazon stroke, Facebook stroke, whoever changed. changed. And I had to adapt and I had to take this new approach. And it took me six months to figure it out. Yeah. But they could weather the storm because, because of, yes. they already had been successful. So this is, this is what my take on it is that I think that there's a lot of people now. This article is a sort of soothsaying thing about trends. And I still don't think it offers anything concrete. Um, no, well, no, because it's predicting, isn't it? It's, well, yeah, it's I appreciate that. anything concrete. You can't know for sure. No, okay. All right. So there are 10 points in this article, and we'll look at them in in, in, in turn. Yeah. Uh, some will, will dwell on longer than others because some are more relevant than others. But um, the the first point they, they make is quality becomes more important than ever. And Yeah, I'm interested to know what you think of that. Well, yes. I mean, so the the people they've spoken to on this article, Ricardo Fayette, um, otherwise known as Spanish Jesus from Reedsey, <laughs> uh, who, again, is always at these events. Um, and he says, I expect the new influx of AI generated assistant content will put a new focus more than ever on quant- uh, quality. Um and he's saying the more books are available to readers, the more choice, the more picky they are likely to become. I don't think that's necessarily true. You see, I, I, well, it's funny because I actually read that and I thought, I think he's right. I'd like to think he's right. No, I, think I, it's, I think it's the right trend. I don't think it's necessarily going to be what the reality is. No, I think, I think people do take quality seriously. And I think they do have, like, um, I don't know, rubbish radars. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
and no. I mean, it's their time. They're investing in a book. Well, right? I, I think look, there's a there's a there's a challenge here. So we we emphasise on quality, and it, you know it's at the core of everything we've done um, as Hobeck in terms of every aspect: typesetting, editing, cover design. Yeah. Um, and obviously the, the quality of the writing in the first place and the authors that we work with, that doesn't necessarily translate into sales. And the reason I say that is because you are still having to fight your way through the noise created by people who are just shoving things up there, which are perhaps more on point genre-wise, i.e. they fulfill the criteria that people are looking for, a nice easy read in a certain genre, which has all the tropes added in. Uh, and, you know, we're a bit quirkier than that in times. But then our challenge is to get to those that person, this, this reader, mm. who's presented with all the very similar-looking but sort of medium-level quality books and say, have you thought about this one? Because what they're saying is that they will compare and they'll look at ours and, oh, actually, that looks... Well, yes, but then where's the forum for us to Im- make the impression that's well, the, you've hit the nail on the head, haven't you? Because that, that is our challenge of 2024. Right, basically. exactly. And I think this is what the... If we were taking the 10 points as a whole, yeah, that is what the challenge is, is figuring out where to reach those readers. And increasingly, in the indie sphere, there is this movement towards... And we're going to be looking at this ourselves, which is rather than, you know, trying to game the system on Amazon uh, uh, for relatively you know little reward in the sense that you know they still hold all the aces and all the information if you are publishing nowadays you can fulfill those orders and have your own website and sales uh, place where you get all the info for yourself rather than worrying about amazon i mean yeah of course that's what we want to do we want to we want to cut out the middleman being amazon Mm. we want to go direct to the readers Yes. And have that relationship that, I, with them. I, I think that is the number one trend. Yes. That's one of the... I mean, they talk about this in this. And we are aware that that's what we want to do. And we engage with readers as much as we can. But we, you know, we do need to um, yes. do more of that. And we're more people, if we can. Yes. Well, I mean, this... I mean, Orna Ross, who is sort of one of the great figures of independent publishing um, and is from the Alliance of Independent Authors, in fact, the creator of it, um, she says, it's never been easier for non-authors to produce coherent text and put a book together in ebook, print or audio. This means that standards will rise and we'll need to up our game. Well, I think the, the, what all of these things are, I mean, this is AI playing a big part in this, generating something that looks like a book, um, even though spiritually it's not as pure. Yeah as, you know, a Hobart book or indeed many, many of the other players in the independent market. The fact is that there are plenty of people on YouTube and I have switched on, you know, saying, you know, I created my own publishing business in, you know, six weeks using these techniques and and I've made a fortune, Um, you know, by cutting the corners. And we hope that the the reading audience are going to be savvy enough and want to pick through it but at the same time if you've got people who are prepared to do exactly that you know produce what looks a facsimile of a book using anything other than real proper creative endeavor they're the ones who are also the noisiest yeah but are they long lasting no i'm not saying it's long lasting but that's you know again another trend about building your brand as an author and indeed for us as a company and for that to be the thing that distinguishes, you know, that you you build that relationship with your readers as a brand, uh, whether it is as an author individually or as a company. And that is the thing that keeps you going. But, you know, it's the same challenge there's always been, really. You know, we we believe in quality. Um, There's less emphasis on quantity. I mean, increasingly... The authors that were successful by releasing every three months mm. are finding that a struggle, A, to maintain the pace, and B, see that as an effective strategy. So quite a number of them are moving into the traditional publishing side of things. 
Yeah. Or oh, well, they're doing it side by side. Yeah, so they're going hybrid. Yeah, which is which is different, but, you know, interesting for a different reason. Um, but, yes, I mean, we, we have slowed down our output to some degree because um, we were quite enthusiastic at the beginning. And I think we have realised that, actually, we need to find a pace that suits us and our authors. And I think we've reached that at the moment. We're doing... You know, it's, it's quality at a steady, reasonable pace. Well, we couldn't sustain it as a pace because, no. you, know, it, you know, one thing rolls into the next. It's just, you know, you, you're creating a treadmill. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day without naming any names and they were talking about another publisher um, who are playing the numbers game and they're just signing and signing and signing and signing and churning and churning and churning, hoping, potentially hoping to get that one big hit. Um, but we don't want to do that. We no. don't want to. We don't want to churn for the sake of churning and no. having a big list. Well, I think Orna Ross in the second point, which is publishing trend number two, authors build their own brands and communities, which is what we've already been discussing. Um, she says uh, authors will have to think more critically about how they brand themselves as well as their books as writers, publishers, and as human beings. Mm. Savvy authors will offer more personalised content and books tailored to individual preferences. Um, and that's largely because, you know, artificial, intellig artificial intelligence um, has created, where she, she says, a world of me mechanistic text. Uh, what the marketeers, marketeers call author branding will be ever more important to readers as bland, straightforward text becomes commonplace, exciting voices will be more valued. Yeah, readers want to connect with the authors. They want to know they're human beings, and even more so because they, they want to be able to distinguish between um, AI-generated um, output and something written by a person with feelings and a life and a cat and, a you know, hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. we, we've all, since we began, our brand has been crucially important to us isn't it and we know that just just promoting the brand doesn't actually bring us anything directly back in revenue but we've felt that it's very important yeah with the logo with yeah i think we'll probably amplify that more in in 2024 oh, absolutely yeah um but yeah i mean you know it's we're hoping people invest something of themselves in us and we invest in them if you yes. know what i mean but it's it, it, it's it's still a challenge to try and translate that into practical terms i mean it, you know as an aspiration it's very clear in terms of um delivering on that consistently so that it actually ultimately for the business benefits the business is is harder to judge yeah but... and also you can't measure that no exactly you, you could reflect back and think you know actually we've done a lot as ourselves, as a brand. And yes. People are reacting to the brand, and that's because of what we've done, but it's so hard to measure that. Yes, it is. It's an organic thing, isn't it? It's an yeah, organic yeah, process. To, to a degree, it is, yeah. Um, and every time you try and push it, it, you know, actually it's counterproductive. Exactly. It can come across as false if you try yeah. too hard. It's a bit like going to a party and trying too hard, isn't mm. it? Just be yourself. <laughs> Uh, promo stacking becomes the standard is point three. Now, I, I see. I found this quite interesting because I thought most people do that anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, I think that's that's of all the points they make. I think that's the one I think is superfluous and there to fill out the the, the thing, which is to say that yes, if you're doing a promo price point for a particular book, you would use lots and lots of different promo sites to promote it. Yeah, because well, you want to maximise the sales you know, in that period. Now, we're very cynical about BookBub because of the immense expense and the lack of uh, impact sometimes, and really only works for free books, and that costs you still a hell of a lot of money to, to do. So we've used some of the smaller ones, and they've been fairly effective. Um, but... I'm surprised it's not standard already, yeah. to the honest truth. Yeah, same here. I thought that. Publishing trend four, artificial intelligence is embraced as a marketing tool. Yes. Well, we know that that's already been happening. And yes, it's, of course, it's going to accelerate. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll be looking at using some of it too. But I still I still maintain I, I, what I really want is an AI system to crunch the data and tell me what's working and what's not, um, which isn't really what, what they're doing. I mean, not what for books, no. What we're talking about here is people using um, generative AI sites like ChatGPT, et cetera, 
to create their marketing copy and to create the images to go with that marketing for Facebook ads and such like. Um, and yes, I mean, you know, some places have had some success, but I think this is the true of everything. Some people you know, always, you know, have success, but then it's not necessarily repeatable on a grand scale by everybody. Uh, one interesting thing that was in this article um, was that they had a survey uh, asking authors um, whether they would use AI to create marketing assets. Well, it looks fairly split to me. It is fairly split. Phil, 46.6% said yes, but 31.7% said no, and there were 21.7% undecided. Okay, let me ask you then, as a publisher... Would you ever use AI to Absolutely. help? Yes, and same here, and, and to some degree we... You know, this is the trouble with AI is that, you you know, uh, the, the debate that we've had is, you know, it's all very well... I mean, it's such a broad subject and, 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 and so many different players in the market and, and different aspects going on. So certain aspects of AI, yes, positive. Yeah, you would use it. It, it saves time. It opens up creative opportunity. I'm not a skilled designer or anything like that. So using AI to um, sort of uh, fulfill my creative vision um, on, a, on a marketing asset is, is, is terrifically useful. I think, I think the way we would do it, though, is if we, if we felt we had to pay someone to do something mm. and AI was an alternative, we would use AI in that case. If it's something we do ourselves, such as write blurb, marketing copy which we do and certain amount of image creation that if we enjoy it and we feel confident in what we do yeah. then we wouldn't use ai no but um you know the the flip side of it is is you know am i anti ai narration absolutely because it threatens my income and my livelihood and i don't think it's as good i also am anti ai in the way that these uh, companies have just been wholesale nicking copyrighted material feeding it into their system and the creators of that copyrighted material have had no cons cons a consultation on this process and b any recompense in any way and that is currently at the heart of a very big legal case which will be i think a defining moment in this point in history which is the new york times suing chat gpt for ingesting their articles uh, to teach the lang large language model and if it does prove that they, you know, that uh, in future AI companies have to license material that they want which to use, they should which do, they yeah. should be doing, uh, rather than hiding behind a fair use argument that they can just pick and lift what they want, um, then that's going to be a good thing. Yeah, I think, no, if, I agree. If, if, if it is found that the, the New York Times is right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch that, and I'm sure we'll report on it when we're mm -hmm. here. So. so publishing trend number five, oh, the TikTok ad market matures. <laughs> well, this is an interesting thing because we flirted with it for a bit, but I just don't understand how to use TikTok as a marketing tool for the sorts of books that we do. No, exactly. And I was thinking about this the other day because you, you sometimes see – um, TikTok charts, books that have become popular mm. because of TikTok. And now some of the ones in the charts are books that were published decades ago. And the best example is Secret History by Donna Tart. Yes. Now, this is not Donna Tart on TikTok. This is people who've, who've posted about reading it and it's just sort of accelerated. Mm. So publishers, I don't think, have a great deal of control over things that are successful on TikTok. No, I mean, it should be organic and it should be fan-led and, and that... Yeah, you know, and you can't. Um, yes, you could hire, you know, like so many people do. But you can't it, it, influencers and people like that. There's no guarantee, though. I, it's just a medium I don't understand and I don't feel comfortable with. I'm not saying it's not important, but. Um, well, I'll tell you something about TikTok, okay? Because mm. I, I do as a as a punter, I look at TikTok because I don't know, it's a good time suckage, and. Over the last 12 months, for sure, there have been more adverts appearing on TikTok. Yes. So you can now pay. And indeed, this is what the article is saying, that you know, increasingly you may have to pay to get your visibility now. And I, I, It's I just, exactly the same thing that happened with Facebook. Yeah, so you could tell almost straight away whether it's a paid TikTok video. Mm. And at the moment, I just you know bypass that as quick as I can. But once it becomes that more um, established, I think, as a advert and yes. people well, 
posing videos, I do think it will probably change quite considerably. Well, yeah. the, the fact is that the way that all these platforms were set up, they attract a you know a critical mass of users, and everything's free to start with. Yeah, and you know you're not getting spammed with adverts, but ultimately they take the the hit initially to set up and all the setup costs. Uh, on the understanding that at some point they're going to start commercialising the the user base uh, yeah. and using adverts, and it's happened with all of the platforms. And one of the dips for, for Facebook was that, that you know that people were felt that they just were being hit with far too many adverts, uh, and so Facebook have reacted by um, shutting down some of the cap- capability around those adverts. Um, same with with uh, X. Uh, who have, are desperately trying to make revenue out of adverts. And Instagram, they basically, you know, it was very clear that people were being hired to promote a product mm. without actually saying that it was paid promotion. And that's had to change as well now. So that there's always that little line saying it's paid promotion so that you know that someone's not, you know, someone's been paid 20 grand to feature that particular um, meal replacement drink that they're, they're showing on their well, you've got this, Instagram account. This tension, haven't you? You've got people who use social media for themselves to connect with their friends to show their photos mm. to look at photos mm. and you've got the platforms themselves and the and the people with products who want to advertise and and, and, and the, it just sort of you get to this point this critical yeah, point and, when, and, the, and those people who who for whom it's a full-time job to be on those platforms because they're getting either paid for, through the ad revenue say with youtube for instance yeah you know you say to me, well, what, why do you watch these people who are flying on aircraft showing what, what the business <laughs> class is like on Lufthansa? And I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm vaguely interested. I don't think I'll ever have the money to be able to fly these things regularly. But, you know, people make – I'm fascinated by the fact that people make a living flying the world's aircraft – and doing and airlines and doing reviews of of the way they looked after. Well, you're talking about this particular guy. Who, no, there's several. There's so many. Well, of the them. one I've heard you watching, and I've watched it as well, and it was quite non- addictive, actually. Nonstop Dan but is his he, name. Nonstop Dan. How about monotone Dan? He <laughs> he's not a dynamic human being, is he? Oh, well, he would argue he is. <laughs> but he, you told me I didn't. I found this hard to believe that that's all he does is fly around the world reviewing. The flight, the yeah, food, so he, the, the service. Well, I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, the business model is, 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 is this. So he's got a certain number of subscribers. So every time he puts a video up, he knows he gets a certain number of hits. YouTube pay him a, a share of the ad revenue around that. And that's one part of his income. The other part is that he uses his credit cards to create points for uh, these for the airlines. Air miles. Yeah, basically the, the equivalent of what were air miles for different uh, airlines he looks out for deals so that often he flies in business for five quid at a load of air miles and uh, he also has deals with um you know he has adverts in his his um you know pay promotion inside those videos but he's also got deals with people like amex uh for american express gold cards um for different airlines and so he says well i managed to get this deal because i've got this such and such and if you sign up this link below you'll get sixty thousand bonus points and that'll allow you to fly like i did so there's a whole load of stuff going on under the level there's three or four ways of making money out of this this is another world isn't it it is it is um you know and i'm not gonna knock it i mean it's just the way of the world at the moment in in the way that people can do that now you don't uh, just have to have to have a nine-to-five job anymore no, and actually there was a really interesting one I was watching by another guy who was saying, you know, he was answering questions people ask, how do you make a living out of it? And he gave up his nine-to-five job, and what he does is he'll figure out a itinerary around the world where he can take in a number of airlines, um, be away from home for two weeks, and then back at home making those videos and doing those reviews, back with his family for six weeks, and then goes off again, and he's making far more money than he ever did in a nine-to-five job. Um, and he's a guy with four kids extraordinary right okay i think it's time to fold hoback and go around the world <laughs> make videos i think the cat stroke cats well, more on that later oh, oh not like that that's a dangle yeah 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 well we'll do that um okay publishing trend number six copyright and fraud protection becomes more important i think this really is at the center of what we've just been discussing yeah and i mean it um, should always be important but but there's an interesting um Things like the Independent uh, Alliance of Independent Authors have a thing called Ally Watchdog, and there's another resource called Writer Beware where you can see 
where there are tools to be able to check whether your work's being uh, infringed and to, uh, you know, are generally looking out for those sites. Because we, we got caught up in this last year. As a lot of people did. Yeah, and I think, the, you know, the, the nature is, and we've said, I said this at the time, it's whack-a-mole. You know, they'll shut, there'll be a legal case, it'll shut down whatever website has been uh, basically lifted copyright material and just published it free to use uh, for people, you know, in the way that music was treated as well, um, you know, some years ago. And I think that, um, you know, it's it's just going to carry on. And it's really, really distressing. Um, but, again, it's a fact of this digital life at the moment. Um, publishing the trend number seven, authors refocus on the long game. Um, yeah, so... Um... Well, it's, I mean, yes, it's, it, it's, it's quoting Brian Cohen, um, who we will get on the show at some point this year. It's about being steady, and I was talking about that in terms of Hobeck as well. Not mm. not not doing too much too soon, too quickly, because as well as being very difficult to maintain, it also does have a personal yes. impact, doesn't it? You well, know, so I mean, the the advice is, you know, can you take stock and judge whether you are working at a sustainable pace in twenty twenty four for your mental health and physical health? Fair enough. Um, publishing trend number eight subscription models gain popularity well uh yeah i mean that is uh a fact of life i mean you know the trouble is that again we have no not much control and in the audio sphere we've bemoaned the fact that spotify are offering 15 hours of free content to subscribers a month which the rate i consume audiobooks would be double what i usually listen to yeah, same here. Well, more than double. You know, and, at the and we're still not clear as to how people are getting remunerated for um, this generous offer made by Spotify on their behalf. Um, so, yeah, it's it's difficult. But you know, I. <sighs> well, I'll tell you what I think. Right, so subscription mod- models have become more popular over time. Mm. I don't think they're ever going to reach a high point because I think people. It's a bit like with the, the TV stuff, right? You have Netflix, you have mm. Amazon, whatever it's called. You have um, BritBox. Is that the word? Um, and then you've got BBC. That There's nothing that supplies everything you want. So you subscribe to Netflix, but you also feel you have to subscribe to Amazon if you want more choice. Yeah. But with books as well, I want the freedom to choose random books from random sources. I don't want to just stick to one model that offers a certain... No, that, that's that's fair enough. Um, I, I'm not clear where, on the book side of things, it's going. Yeah, because we couldn't do this. I don't no. think we'd get enough take up for it. No, no, absolutely. I mean, it might be that if you, uh, well, the indie press network, which we're part of, nah, you know, with forty odd publishers within it, if, that could it, work. Yes, that possibly. could work. If there was a subscription model with all those presses. Again, it probably wouldn't cover every taste or every genre or every interest, but. Um, it's a thought. But this is a bit like what we were talking about last week about that that middle-class book reader who wants to buy independent or we want Mm. to encourage this person to want to buy independent. They would probably be interested in subscribing to the independent network. Well, that's, 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 I think, the the, the key thrust for for 2024 is to sell the indie model (laughs) as a brand and say, look, you're buying genuine creativity at source as opposed to you know the big conglomerates um yeah interesting uh so we'll we'll see i mean i think the subscription models in tv are suffering mm. because of the plurality of them i mean initially netflix were were almost a monopoly on this sort of thing and all the other players have offered their own versions and if i think about the numbers of subscri- subscriptions that i've just cancelled apple tv gone um and i have uh knocked off uh discovery plus disney plus paramount plus uh things that i've all dabbled with they've all gone yeah i leaving, mean leaving me very little to watch actually beyond you know standard things on youtube well, and um the and, thing um, is um, amazon prime we, sh- we should subscribe to different things from each other so that if yes. it's on disney plus and you have it then we watch it on your phone if it's on because mm. we both have netflix for start mm. so anyway <laughs> but that's exactly what i was talking about that you know you, you if you, 
they focus on you, you can't watch everything and with books that doesn't I don't think that quite works generally and there are a lot there are a lot more misses than hits recently and oh, on uh, TV yeah and also some of the things that have been sort of the drivers of traffic towards say Netflix for instance have have run out of creative juice so to some extent um, there's been a critical backlash against The Crown, for instance, in Series 6. Yeah. Well, they they all get to their point, though, don't mm. they? Point of ending when it's a natural end. And right. That's why they've got to think of something else. Yeah. Or commission something else. And, yes, and they over-commissioned and overpaid for content. Mm. So there's a lot. it's a lot of wash down but in that sphere. But I, I on the subscription side of it, I mean, Kindle Unlimited is still the king. Um, but we're getting more and more cynical about how whether we should be in it yes so that will be interesting to see what we think this time next year about that where yeah. we are anyway let's move on to number nine number nine controversy continues on social media and this is a, a, a section which talks about all the pressures that are facing the social media sites at the moment so for instance x uh, what was twitter and Elon Musk's takeover. It's been an unmitigated disaster. It's lost more money than ever. The advertisers have pulled out. Uh, it's become really controversial. And it's speculating here in this article, will it even exist by the end of the year? I think it will, personally. Well, I think so too. But, you know, they are facing legal challenges from 41 states alleging its platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, this is meta rather, are uh, harmful right. to children. Um, Amazon-owned uh, Goodreads experienced a review bombing scandal and has been a platform some authors avoid to protect their mental yes. health. Yes, Goodreads is an interesting case, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Then we've got, uh, uh, you know, X is our bottom pick for authors in 2024, they say. It's unclear if X will exist by the end of the year and it will, uh, and it will always challenge to sell books on the platform for most authors. And TikTok is even a toss-up in here. The majority of Americans see TikTok as a national security threat because it's owned by China, but a majority of Americans also don't support a TikTok ban. Yeah, so they don't like it, but they don't want to not have so it. So the key advice is <laughs> what this means for authors, building your email list should exactly. be a top priority in 2024. Yeah, don't, don't bother with putting everything out on social media. Just focus on contacting your readers directly. Mm. So Which, we, own... you know, we need to refresh our list and control it better. I mean, it's been difficult because... One of the things that has really impacted in 2023 is all the different changes that certain, in the, you know, uh, internet service providers have been putting in data restrictions and and uh, blocking. Um, so some of our emails, for instance, you know, we've got an email list of you know, six and a half thousand or whatever, uh, and on occasion some of our emails only reach a tenth of that. Yeah, figure. and I'm not. We have put some fixes in place, but I'm not entirely sure how successful they've been. So. Mm. It, it's and it's this isn't a, an area we are comfortable with because this is sort of getting under the bonnet of IT. <laughs> it's, mm. it's really difficult. Anyway, and finally, uh, publishing continues to see consolidation. Well, of course, the big story of last year was that Penguin Random House's takeover of Simon and Schuster was blocked, and so Simon and Schuster was bought up by a private equity firm. Um, but Penguin Random House still gobbled up Hay House, Callisto Media. Playaway products and increased a stake in source books. Yeah, they are uh, the Patman of publishing. In the, yes, and in the digital sphere, um, Drafter Digital acquired rival Smashwords and they also bought selfpubcovers.com. And there are more and more partnerships between some of these promo stacks that we were talking about, written word media being one of them. Yeah. They've tied up with um, Mark Dawson's Hello Books now. Yes. Okay, I have a question for you. What percentage of books do you think the big five publish at the moment? If you could just guess what percentage. 40%. You're way off. Mm. Go on. Higher. Way higher. Double. 80%. 80%. 80% of all the books published currently are by the big five. Jeez. Now, so we talk about, you know, all the so many, cartel. There's so many independent authors, blah, 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 blah. They haven't. You know, taken that much out of the big five, not yet. So, oh, wow. So, hang on a second. The big five control yeah. 80% of all the things published, leaving 20% between big indies, individual indies, companies like us. Or all the... Or, all... Just, or just people putting up their life story. Yes. 
Um, There's only 20% we're sharing, the rest of us. Right. Wow. But one thing I also wanted to just touch on, um, which wasn't in this article, was the sort of the genre trends. Mm. I don't know if you know about what, what genre well, trends. Uh, yeah, so I, I, you sent me an article which was saying that within romance, for instance, uh, romanticy is a new thing. Yes. So what is romanticy? It's romance mixed with fantasy fiction. Yeah. So subgenre. Um, you know, we know about rom-coms and they're, they're coming through. But what about, there was a mention of crime genres. Uh, yeah, so cosy. I yeah. mean, you know, I think it was... This Again, time, that's a broad church, isn't it? This time last year, we said, oh, everyone was saying cosy's on the on the rise. Mm. And I think it still is. It's And it's kind of changing slightly. It's becoming slightly less cosy and a little bit more quirky, but not quite so twee, I think. You know, it's, it's trying to sort of grab a few more readers by being less Miss Marple and being a bit more Richard Osman, if that makes sense. Well, I think Richard Osman probably is Miss Marple kind of for the modern day. I don't know. Um, I think I think if you're trend hunting, you're in trouble because... Well, yes, I agree. I trend mean, setting, you're fine. Well, no, it's interesting. I, I, I was watching a completely independently. It was, it was a review of a film that... Um, do you remember the film Up in the Air with George Clooney in 2009 about uh, a guy who travels America collecting his points on his airlines uh, and do. sacking people? Yes, uh, I and, do. And the emptiness of his life and the, the realisation that he, you know, he needs something more, um, you know, needs to justify his life more emotionally. I, I enjoyed that film. It's a great film. Anyway, the, the reviewer I was watching, Mark Commode, um, oh yeah, the guy who looks a bit like Elvis. Yeah, he has the big quiff. Yeah, the fifties quiff. He's into um, into that sort of music, um, rock and roll, early rock and roll. Uh, he was saying that uh, it, it, being released in two thousand nine. Think of the context. This film came out the year after the economic collapse of two thousand and eight. So therefore. It's a film about a bloke goes around sacking people on behalf of chicken managers who can't do it for themselves, right? Yeah. Outsourced. Uh, and he said, you know, they've been credited, this film's been credited being right on the, you know, right on the money in terms of being on trend for the times that we're living in. Now, as then he says, well, no film is ever on the money on trend by design it, because it takes so long to make a get a film commission made and whatever else mm-hmm. it's just luck and i think this is the same with books in a way yeah i agree that if you are somebody who hit, who hits tra- i mean you've got to be um well there've got to be shortcuts taken if you want to get a book out that you know cashes in on a certain trend and people are doing this don't get me wrong i mean the the whole plethora of cover of books with covers similar to Richard Osman's books is an example of people jumping on a trend. But you have to sell your soul to, to, to a degree to be able to move as fast as you need to to cash in on a trend. Yeah, so it's always the, the, the trendsetter and it's usually an accident or just by chance. Think of Fifty Shades of Grey as the best example. Yes. Um, I mean, that that created a whole sort of train of similar books and even W. H. Smith once had a section for mm. a while of sort of erotic whatever it was mm. I mean that's all gone now yep. to, yeah they jumped on it briefly press. it lasted 18 months so but that, that just happened mm. no one could have predicted that no um, and so yeah the, the best position to be in is the person who breaks out and says I'm going to write about a book a book about this yes also I mean you know drawing all these pointers together and mixed with what we've been saying and our, our interpretation of it. I mean, what are we saying here about publishing in general? <laughs> I, I mean, I think that personally I look at 2024 as, you know, part of me saying thank God to the back back end of 2023 because it was a difficult year. Um, and I think that one of the things that has been seismic was the pandemic. We launched during the pandemic, but the fact is that book sales were, you know, epically higher in in sales terms during the, the lockdown than they have proved to be as people go back to work and, and, you know, life returns to a degree of normality, to the previous normality. But that combined with 
the economic shocks that the pandemic has created and the cost of living crisis and all those things that we experienced in 2023 um you know it it was it was a difficult year i think of 2024 as another year of massive transition now we've still got lots and lots of shocks within the world i mean you know <laughs> we're seeing more military action than ever in, the, in recent memory now with what's happening in the red sea and everything that affects supply chains for publishers like us mm. in terms of the raw materials and the technology that comes over from the far east to feed the publishing machine just when we thought that with fuel prices coming down and raw pr material prices coming down for books they're going to go up again so there's not, not going to be a, a release on that pressure um and indeed you know it's going to be another cost of living shock created by the you know the impact of not being able to send ships through the, the Suez canal so you know there's reasons to be cautious and uh pessimistic in a way but at the same time there's reasons to be optimistic because you know, publishing is buoyed by optimism i think you have to be thinking that the next book you publish is the one that's going to be the mega hit however i i think that it's a big period of transition for how you reach readers mm. and generate those sales because the old models even the reasonably new stroke old models of digital marketing have changed so, so dramatically and become uh, difficult to generate um, successful profitable sales uh, even you know the contrast between now and five years ago is huge so we're all guessing that there's going to be some way of reaching readers that's going to uh, be cheap to do and successful at reaching people and it's interesting isn't it because you've got the two sort of quite opposing forces you've got the force of technology ai and then you've got the force of returning to personal human contact with people so yeah writers and readers publishers and readers publishers and writers but you've also got the trend of the technology taking off but they seem to be going side by side in parallel yes sometimes they, sometimes they intersect and sometimes they diverge and yeah. figuring out which one's which? I guess you've just got to... I mean, you know, from our perspective, if you think about Hobeck, we stick to our values. Yeah. Um, we try and uh, promote those values even further. And we double down on the things that we're good at. But we have to improve on the things we're not so good at and find new ways of doing those things, which is, you know, the marketing side of it is the hardest bit. Yeah. Without question. And the bit that we find toughest to do. But we're to determined do. to conquer it, aren't we? Because yeah, we are, yeah, yeah. you know, tenacious, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and talking to Hobeck, perhaps we should talk about a little bit of personal Well, I was supposed news. to be, you know, yes, we're supposed to be more personal. So it's with great excitement. And this is the, um, well, I might, I might mention it in the newsletter, actually. So this is probably not the first that people have heard about it. No, but... Um, when I return, I'm, I'm, I ought to say that we're recording this on a Saturday morning, and I'm heading off to London shortly, um, partly for reunion with friends. But then tomorrow, I'm taking a course, one day course, in um, how to do an American accent for my narration work, because I can do a, one of sorts, but I need to really nail it, absolutely on the button. And I've increasingly realised that you can do accents to a certain degree, but if you want to do them really well, it takes a lot of skill so hopefully i'll learn that but by the time i come back tomorrow night from london we will have a new member of the family here yes in fact they're, they're arriving this evening and that is tinkerbell tinkerbell <laughs> we are rehoming a cat and you can explain the story um better than i can yeah so a friend an old friend of mine who i've known quite a few years um her son and my eldest were friends from the age of five they're both now 20 um she posted on Facebook that she was trying to rehome um, her late mother's cat, uh, Tinkerbell, but she was having trouble finding somewhere. And me being the soft spot that I am, I immediately replied with, oh, he might be interested <laughs> before I even asked the boys. Mm. Um, but we've since then given it a lot of thought and we've had lots of discussions. And I yesterday I met Tinkerbell for the first time and 
Two of the boys met Tinkerbell as well. And so it's all definitely happening now. Tinkerbell is coming here this evening. And Aki knows nothing about this. And Aki knows nothing about this. Now, Tinkerbell facially looks very similar to Aki, but that's where the similarity ends. There are many differences. Tinkerbell is a fluff ball, completely fluffy. So we're going to have to groom Tinkerbell daily. Mm. She also does not meow, or very rarely meows. Yeah, that's a total contrast. That is a total contrast. Uh, she's a lot thinner, even though she's a fluff ball. So she looks she looks the same size, but she's a lot thinner underneath. She hides it well. Um, but and she licks as well, which Haki doesn't lick. So mm. it's going to be a challenge. I think we're going to have we're going to have probably have two weeks of, um, should we say, cat integration? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, yeah, socialising those two is going to be interesting. But um, I'm very excited to, to meet Tinkerbell. I haven't met her yet, so uh, and she's a licky cat. I do like animals that are licky. Yes, I you do. You know, dogs and I, you know, you'll quite happily be licked in the face, oh, won't you? Oh, de- definitely, definitely. So. Um, We'll we'll reveal more next week with yeah. the drama. Look out for well, the newsletter. She'll be here next week. Yeah, I'll, I'll I think I'll do a feature in the newsletter because she'll be here by the time I write the absolutely. newsletter. <laughs> absolutely. So look out for that. Well, don't forget to go to our website, www.hobeck.net, for details of our authors, our books, the way we work, our sister company, which is Arch Publishing Services, uh, as well, and my narration is all there, and I've been working hard on the editing of uh, uh, A.J. Aberford's Bodies in the Water, which has been um, a challenge and fun. Um, And uh, we would love to to see you there. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, which, of course, Rebecca will be writing tomorrow night. Uh, But it really has been a a pleasure to speak to you. I know it's been a solo episode, not with an interview, but hopefully some of the things that we've touched on will be of, of value. And I guess that, you know, when it boils down to it, we're both guessing as much as anyone else writing these articles as to where things are going. Yeah, well, nobody knows for sure. and There are always surprises. Things Absolutely. always happen. They take you off in a tangent you didn't expect to go, and that's what makes life interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but um, I guess the, the, the core thing we were saying is, you know, we won't let our standards drop. It's, you know, we've just got to adapt our techniques to, to marry up with the new marketplace. Yes, and we've just got to keep on the ball, which we do. We try. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, join us again for the Hobcast Book Show. I've been Adrian Hobart. I've been Rebecca Collins. I still am, actually. You still are, indeed. And uh, we would like to wish you a wonderful and... Creative... Week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Hobcast from Hobeck Books with Adrian Hobart and Rebecca Collins. You can find the show notes at our website, www.hobeck.net. You can also use the exclusive Hobcast discount code for any of the products at our Hobeck online store. Just enter the code HOBCAST20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hobcast and feel free to contact us with any feedback. Until next time, remember our motto, Trad Values, Indie Spirit. Indie Spirit.